Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, from the Simple Electronics YouTube channel. This podcast is brought to you by PCBWay. More about them a little bit later on, because today I've got a very special guest. You probably haven't heard of him, and that's a crime. I have with me uh, Yuo from Yuo's Lab. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right on this fine morning. So I found you by complete luck because uh, you're on YouTube, but you're not much on YouTube. You're more on Twitch. And you're sort of like, I would say, a creator, a maker, an electronics enthusiast that streams on Twitch to a fairly large audience. But um, that's how I would describe you. How would you describe what you, you, who you are and what you do, basically? Okay, so uh, uh, as said, I'm a Twitch streamer. I mostly... Do I call myself a variety content streamer, but it's definitely like 80, 90% uh, science tech stuff, electronic stuff. And uh, I'm mostly focused on just building insane stuff that <laughs> you would normally find in maybe a YouTube video, but you don't really find anyone doing live on stream. And uh, I really think there's like an element to that that is fun. So I do like a lot of like chat controlled robots and uh and like uh ridiculous builds like building keyboards out of meat or uh doing like <laughs> i'm trying to even like think of stuff that i've built building like beer launchers or or cooking robots or all kind of all kind of absurd kind of absurdist comedic builds I and uh i'm just looking at your youtube because on youtube here you have like highlights right and just yes. quickly parsing your highlights, it's almost like an early Simone Yetch, like Queen of Robots uh, <laughs> Simone Yetch meets oh, Big yes. Clive meets, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to explain it. You can't can't really put you in a box. It's a, it's a weird mix. I kind of just do whatever I want as long as it fits the vibe. I, I have these, I have basic electronic skills and I, I brandish them like a weapon across content creation. It's a really interesting. So let me, let me just set the stage. So I was just trying to do some work and by that, I mean, try to procrastinate working. And so mm. I go on Twitch to find, uh, you know, whatever to just have background noise and um, I find that there's a science and tech channel uh, or a category, which I wasn't aware of. And then I click mm. on that and I see a paleontologist who, who is like most viewed. And then there was you. Um, and you're, I mean, you, you call yourself a VTuber, but you're not quite in the, in the same sense uh, as some other, as maybe the picture of VTubing would, would get into people's heads. Mm. But you were building a tube amplifier, and I was like, "Holy crap!" There's a you know electronics enthusiast on on Twitch, so I went and check it out, and you were highly entertaining. And so this is where I reached out, and I was like, "My God, you got to come on to the to the podcast." So, <laughs> um, so let's start from the start. So uh, VTubing, could you just sort of explain how come you're a VTuber? Some of my viewers may not understand the concept. Okay, yeah. The typical concept of, of VTubing, it's really taken off here recently. Uh, I'd say around like 2020 was really when that started picking up as a, as a trend, at least in, in the Western world. And I'm not, I'm not even like the target demographic for them. Uh, it's typically like, I guess, I guess I should explain what it is for people who don't know. 
VTubers are people who stream as animated avatars that are mo-capped to their face. So as they move around and stuff, instead of having a face cam, you have uh, a cartoon or typically anime character that kind of tracks around you uh, as you emote and express. And uh, it got really big in Japan a few years ago. Around 2020, it started taking off more in the West with some of the big Japanese companies uh, releasing English branches and uh, hiring English-speaking talent. And then it started this really interesting indie uh, movement. And I found them... I, I, I knew what they were since like 2016 because I thought the technology was cool. Like the fact that you can just use your, your PC camera or whatever to get like pretty decent motion tracking. Uh, but I wasn't really into watching them until maybe around uh, late 2020, early 2021 when I, I discovered the, the indie scene for it. And even though even though i'm not really into like anime or that kind of thing i was really intrigued because it was a bunch of people doing like like trying new stuff it's very rare i don't know what thread to go on here it's rare to find one a uh, a community of variety streamers typically communities on twitch are based around a game like oh you know you speedrun Super Mario, you're in the Super Mario speedrun community. And all the people that raid you and you raid are in that community. And then if you get bigger, you break out into the general, you know, Mario community or whatever. Like typically to become a variety streamer, you have to get really big off something, some game first. And then you become a variety streamer because you already have an audience. This was people with starting out doing variety content. and having a good old time and doing well with it. And there was an audience there for it. And I've never seen anything quite like that. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Uh, and I, uh, around early 2021, I ended up getting hurt in a cycling crash and I hurt my leg. I couldn't walk for like six weeks or so and i was watching a ton of streams because normally i would put them on in the background but now i'm i'm bed bound for a bit so i was watching a bunch of stuff and i started talking to people and joining discords and stuff and i was like okay i'll uh i'll show some appreciation for them and start i started doing some like video fan edits for some of the people i watched and that kind of got me into the community i was never like big from it but that that's like got me into the the quote-unquote community of the vtubers and that kind of environment and eventually of about a year after that i'd say in august 2022 uh i decided to try my hand streaming and uh because i that was the community i was in if i hadn't started in that community i'd probably just stream with a face cam but because that was the community i was in uh, someone like heard that I was going to start streaming and they drew me a little PNG avatar for it. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. So I started streaming with that and, uh, kind of just went from there, honestly. And, and like the rest is 
history because so when I was watching you, first of all, we have very similar. We had very similar ca camera angles because uh, I shoot camera in front of me, sort of uh, straight down onto my hands. Mm. You have the camera sort of uh, facing you, but still straight down onto your hands. So you you're a little bit upside down compared to what I do, but very similar. But you had a little uh, lab scientist with gray hair and holding a, a bottle of, uh, I don't know, blue stuff. And he <laughs> he would uh, talk when you talked, like his mouth yeah. uh, moved. It, like not to not to the level of like uh, fancy VTubers like Code Miko or whatever who has no, the whole, no. whole animated everything, but it did talk while you talked. And so yeah. I, I found it interesting because my wife and I've had this conversation because I like to stay anonymous on the internet and I think VTubing would be a good way to do that. But uh, but you're saying that you're a VTuber sort of because you were part of that community first. So it's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I also have a desire to stay anonymous on the internet. Uh, I would probably just... <laughs> the difference would be that I just wouldn't have an avatar. <laughs> I gotcha. would... Uh, that would be the main one. But if I hadn't started in that community, I don't know. I might have shown my face uh, more. Whereas now I generally try to avoid it just for the sake of not giving away who I am. Makes but, sense. Um, yeah, there's actually a name for that. It's called PNG tubing or it's a uh, a reactive PNG. Interesting. Which is a lot of people argue is not actually VTubing because VTubers should have the tracked model. Uh I actually have a tracked model. I haven't, someone made me one as fan art, which was really cool. And I used that one. And then I also have one that I ended up commissioning because uh, when you do collabs with other VTubers, you want to have one that kind of matches what they're doing. Uh, but I haven't even used it yet. It's just been sitting around for a couple months at this point. Interesting. Are you, is that something you're going, we're going to see in the near future or is it still on the back burner for the moment? No, I'll use it. I'll start using it in, in uh, collabs soon. I'm kind of waiting to, uh, uh, I don't know, have a stream where I'll show it off at the beginning and then probably use it for that stream, not use it for the normal project stream, though, because it's uh, too difficult to track your face. It doesn't like when you're moving around because I'm standing at the desk and I'm always like running off and getting stuff. And I'm I have multiple cameras for different places and I'm switching between them all the time and I would have to have phones to track me at every single one or have one that I carry around with me. Oh, that sounds crazy. <laughs> it's it becomes a lot more complicated doing stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. As I said, I'm not too tied to having to have a moving model. I emote very heavily with my hands, which I think adds enough uh, punch. My hands and my voice emote enough that I don't also need the facial tracking to have that angle. But uh, it'll be cool for for certain things, for things where I'm working on like a PC or in a collab or something. So I'm trying to um, distill the essence a little bit uh, of your live streams from the limited amount that I've seen. But I think one of the most iconic things um, that, that was kind of the thread and also when you saw when we were chatting a little bit on your on your stream, you were talking about um, the chat cooking uh, yes. so can you just, uh, tell, tell the audience what that was, um, you know, what's it all about and, and how you actually made that happen? 
Okay, I have a few chat cooking robots. Uh, the one that most people recognize is the fried rice bot because it got millions of views on Twitter when I posted a clip of it. <laughs> so that was like what a lot of people found me by and what a lot of people know me by. Uh, but I've done several chat cooking robots and people love them uh, because it's just chaos. I built, uh, I've built one where... Uh, I have like oil and soy sauce and wine and whatever stuff that you would pour into the dish that are all like uh, hooked up with parasaltic pumps to a, to a relay board and a microcontroller. Uh, and I typically use, if anyone's interested in the technical spec, I use a uh, Node MCU one for my uh, chat control because it's, it's an ESP8266, which is really cheap. You can get them for like $2. So every chat controlled thing is the same code base on that microcontroller because I just have like two dozen of them laying around <laughs> to build all this stuff. Uh, but it's just various, uh, it's various configurations of that. So like one was that where people could add sauces and oils and whatever to the pan while I was cooking. And then I raided the dish that they, that they made at the end. Uh, one of them controlled a knife so they could chop things up. And it had a pneumatic piston that was like slamming it down. That was probably a little dangerous, but it was it was pretty funny. Uh, and then the popular one, the one that everyone knows, is the fried rice bot, where I attached a big lever arm to a wok, and uh, had I had like a smaller thing on the end that would allow you to move a little scooper to like stir it, and then uh, a little thing to pour MSG into it. And so Chad had three controls that they could spam, which was either flip the walk or dispense MSG or stir with the little thing. And uh, someone in chat recommended making it a lever arm, which wasn't even what I was originally going to do. And I was like, oh, sure, that'll be funny. Uh, and it ended up being like way, way too powerful. The pneumatic piston could pull like it's like a few hundred pounds of force or something. So it was just slamming the thing into the stove. Uh, and it ended up breaking one of the grates off. And then I posted that video and that, <laughs> that's like become my most well-known, my most well-known project was from, was from that. The actual build's really simple though. Did you, did you, okay, first, like, first of all, let me just say how impressive it is that you put this all together. Cause if you think of like, um, just that al alone, the lever arm, the pneumatic piston, you know, the little ricer and the frying pan. Now that stuff alone is a Simone Yetch full video, right? That would be a whole thing with yeah. a GIF and a thumbnail and like, and Simone Yetch would build it a lot better than I did. <laughs> yes and no, because you remember her humble beginnings was she was the queen of shitty robots. Yeah, so, she's a huge inspiration for the stuff that I'm making. I reference her stuff a lot when I'm uh, when I'm making these robots. So did like, you build this live on stream? Yes. You built yes. it while you were streaming. Yeah, it took about three and a half hours to build. And then uh, like less than an hour of actually trying it out. So it ended up being a, a little under a five hour stream, I believe. That is incredible. Like I'm... You can't see me right now, but I am smiling ear to ear because there's there's a certain level of, I guess, uh, my personality that tends to overthink things. Like I will sort of mentally design something for months before I then open Fusion and start the, the physical <laughs> designing. And then I'll send it to the 3D printer and it takes, you know, a combined. Like I just finished a print right now that was a, 
uh, 40 hours. I actually had to speed the printer up a little bit mm. to make sure it was done before this recording right now. Oh, my um, gosh. But there is such um, – I have so much respect for someone who can sort of like gather parts and build something well enough for it to work out of – I mean, I don't want to be insulting here, but what it looks like is kind of like hodgepodge and scraps and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like there's a lot of refinement but in the individual parts, but the the whole project together feels so refined and it works so well. I'm just, I'm beside myself that you achieved this. This is awesome. I mean, it's literally thrown together out of garbage. It's, it's like it was using parts from another project because I built like a cannon that shoots hot dogs and I chopped the PVC pipe off of that to make the lever arm and I already had a bunch of the pneumatics. Like when I started doing stuff with pneumatics, I never worked with them before. Uh, so like in a previous stream, I think the first thing I did, was I built like a nutcracker, which was just like one pneumatic piston and a manual lever, and it would slam a plate into another plate and you'd put stuff in it and then crush it with it. And then, okay, now I know how that works. Uh, let's get, let's get like a solenoid and make like an automatic, uh, thing. And I can't remember what I did next, but it was one piston and now chat could control the piston. And then, all right, let's get a couple more pistons for this other build. And then, oh, let's get more, uh, more solenoids and more relays. And then eventually, oh, I'm, I'm doing these solenoid relay builds so much. I'll just build this kind of janky manifold on stream, uh, that has like six solenoid outputs and a whole relay bank, and it's already wired to the controllers and power and everything, and you can just reprogram it to run anything. Uh, and it took like three hours one stream, but now any stream where I use pneumatic stuff, I can just pull that out of the box, and it's already there, and I just have to write, like, spend 10 minutes changing the code and the commands to determine what, like, what it outputs. So it's made out of scrap, but it's built on the shoulders of all the streams before it that led to generate those things that I was able to throw together in one. Like as it's as time goes on, it becomes easier for me to improvise stuff because I have pieces of other things that I can use uh, to create this stuff, which is a big part of it. Because being able to come up with a project and being able to come up with a project you can do do and test in four to five hours is a very different thing, right? Oh, 100%. Like, it's, I, uh, I couldn't yeah. print something, right? Like, when you think about 3D printing, like, I often, I, I now mm. have a 3D printer camera. So I'll just, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Since I saw your stream, I have friends that, that stream on YouTube, like uh, BitLooney mm. is one of them. Actually, he streams on Twitch now, too. I told him to check out your channel. Um, and, uh, you know... Um, Sion, the unexpected maker, he streams, but mostly what they do is hardware design mm. uh, and coding. Yeah. But after I saw your stream that you're like creating things live on stream, you're kind of like working through the problems or you're building. I mean, when I saw you, you were building a tube amplifier, but it's not in the sense that you were putting together a kit like you were. It was from scratch. Yeah, yeah. you were cutting. Uh, was it? Did you use copper clad or Vero board? I don't remember now, but you I were... used uh, I used copper clad FR four. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and then you um, oh yeah, and then you etched it on on stream. So <laughs> that inspired me to start uh, you know working on my YouTube channel while live streaming. So since then, I've I've streamed mm. quite a bit. But I, I have to thank you for the inspiration for that because 
Yeah, well, I've you. been I've been getting a lot of videos done, whereas uh, before it felt a little uh, isolating because I was making stuff sort of by myself in my basement here while my wife worked upstairs. But now I have like a little bit of an audience that that comes and hangs out in my streams and and makes stuff. So it's not going to be as entertaining as yours because yours are utterly destructive and you get stuff done really quickly. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciate your your skill in putting these things together. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, if you're trying to make something that's actually like nice, you can't do it on stream. You can't do it on. It's a lot harder to make it entertaining if you're doing it on stream because you have to like kind of fiddle around and like, you know, tweak it. Trust me, I, I have built nice things. I, I have. <laughs> I believe you. But like, I have to just completely let that go when I'm on stream. I come. I let any preconceived notion of perfectionism just go. And uh, it's nice because at my day job, I work in research and development as an electrical engineer, and I have to be very particular on how things are done. I have to do unit tests and I have to make sure everything works right. And it's like the primary separation from job and thing I do for fun like, is that I don't have to care about the thing I do for fun. I can just send it. And <laughs> that's that's what makes it fun is I can just throw things at it. I don't have to do it right. I don't have to perfect it. It doesn't have to work perfectly at the end. It doesn't have to look nice. It certainly doesn't uh, the majority of the times. But uh, And you have to. You're, you're speed running it to do a, do a project on stream effectively. You're going to regret uh, uh, calling out your credentials. Can you explain to me how you cooked a hot dog that one time? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, which one was I? Was it the one where I I made it levitate and then cooked it? I stole that idea from uh, Nighthawk and Light, but I did make it work. <laughs> no, the the one a lot more dangerous with the uh, heating wire. Oh my gosh! Okay, that was actually a that was a spur of the moment. So the actual stream for that was building an overpowered hair dryer, which was basically like a light flamethrower. It was a it was like two heat gun coils in a big insulated tube made of tin cans. And then I put a map gas torch near the end to just blast fire out the end of the hot air tube. And uh, yeah, it went pretty well. I had like a little wig on a styrofoam head that I was like, oh, yeah, let's see how this works. And just like instantly melted the thing. <laughs> I was like, OK, that's pretty cool. And there, then people kept going, stick a hot dog in it. Stick a hot dog in it. That'll be funny. And so I did. And I was like, that wasn't that funny. What happens if I wrap the wire just directly around the hot dog? What happens if I do it that way? And so that was like at the very end of the stream, just as like a an assorted bit. Oh yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens if we just wrap this thing up in in uh canthal wire and hook it up to a lab power supply and then it lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, it turns hey, it did out cook it. It turns out that in that uh, that resistive wire really needs airflow to keep it cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, that stuff that stuff gets used for shenanigans all all the time. <laughs> so um, tell me, I've been I've been kind of glazing you up, but just by looking at the things that have been catching my eye. But um, are there any projects you're particularly proud of that you can uh, tell us about? Just a quick interruption to talk about this episode sponsor. 
PCBWay. PCBWay has been a long-term sponsor of the channel, and I think they're a good match for my channel because they provide quality PCBs for a reasonable price. You can get boards manufactured up to 100 mils by 100 mils for just $5, including shipping to Canada, 15 US dollars, including shipping to USA, 12 US dollars, which is incredibly cheap for professionally manufactured PCBs. I can personally attest to the quality of these PCBs, and so if you want a circuit immortalized forever, check out PCBWay.com with the link in the description. Now back to the conversation. The rice fryer is like one that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, the meat piano, I think, was really clever, which was just, I made a uh, MIDI controller that had a bunch of capacitive touch sensors on it. It was using the, uh, what's that called? I've got it laying around here. It's a, it's a common capacitive touch sensor. By wire, I daisy chained a bunch of those together. And then I just chopped up a bunch of raw chicken and made a piano out of it. And it was so like weird and it worked somehow. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that build. Uh, oh, having to, having to like go think back on, on specific builds that I've done. Uh, papa. I, uh, the taser sword, that one I'm pretty proud of. I took a big piece of iron, I uh, sharpened one edge of it down, and then I took a bunch of, uh, I think it's like 20,000 volt module, step-up modules, wired it to a big LiPo battery on the end, and <laughs> made like a handle out of it. So there's like taser arcs that run up the back of the sword. Doing that, I mean, it looks janky because it was done in three hours or whatever, but... It absolutely it worked and it, it's really cool. <laughs> Somehow that sword needs to make its way to Electro Boom. Like you guys should go to the same <laughs> maker fair or something and 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 have him wield it and uh, and shock unsuspecting fans. I think if you shock someone with that, you'd be uh, charged with assault. That thing has <laughs> that thing's throwing one inch arcs across the back. What I've learned it's pretty strong. What I've learned from Medi is that. If he shocks other creators, then then nobody will report him. So I think I think it's, it's we need true. Linus there to uh, from <laughs> Linus Tech Tips to get zapped. Yeah, yeah. I need to go to a. Uh, you know, it's funny because I'm doing like cons and stuff, but uh, as you said at the beginning, where I'm in like the VTuber sphere, all my friends are in that sphere. I and like there's a lot. I know a lot of people there, and I've I kind of know. That's like where I have my roots, but I should really branch out and try to meet these other tech creators because I'm living completely separate from them right now. Well, uh, right now, creating. William Osman is looking for exhibitors for uh, open source and any one oh. of your projects, he would give you free tickets and then give you a, a <laughs> an exhibitor <laughs> a spot. Just, just letting you know, in case you want to go to, uh, to San Francisco, um, Definitely. I mean, I'm flying there for a different con anyway. I might as well. Dragon might as con? well try my hand. Uh, no, that would be for Offkai in uh, June, which is a VTuber convention. That's the only one specifically for VTubers. Gotcha. But it's a big networking thing. And uh, I was there last year. It was pretty fun. How do you... Okay. This, is, this may sound like a stupid question from an outsider, but... Uh, sure. How do VTubers recognize each other when they go to cons? <laughs> that's the thing <laughs> they don't gotcha <laughs> they, they show up and you're like hang on who are you and you try to recognize my voice my voice is very iconic and also i'm one of like the only i'm the, one of the only 
male creators that's this size in VTubing. It's mostly women because of the whole anime thing and like the culture that it kind of originated from. So people recognize me, but I don't recognize other people often unless they say who they are. And they're like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, hang on, wait. I probably know you and I don't recognize you. It is funny, though. It is, it's really funny that you go and <laughs> you don't get recognized unless you talk and someone recognizes your voice. It's like when uh, Daft Punk were asked why they don't make any public appearances without the uh, helmets. <laughs> and they said, do you know any other artists my size that can take the subway in New York? And the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain advantage there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, I can completely hide if I want to, and so can anyone else. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, um, did you eat the uh, toilet nuggets? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is, see, okay, here's another con. If you don't show your face, people don't believe you that you actually eat this stuff. But I, uh, you know, I, I do enough crazy stuff. I don't think people have any reason to not believe that one. <laughs> So can you uh, can you explain what I mean by toilet nuggets? But those yes. those of you who are listening should go check out. Like, you know what uh, I will say, um, your YouTube channel is like awesome because a lot of clips are like twenty seconds or lower, so people can just go there, and spend an hour, and kind of catch up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I designed it that way. Uh, and the the main clips, right? That most people find me by are on Twitter. And those are ones I edit myself. I edit them as soon as the stream is over. YouTube, I actually have an editor that manages that. And I just said, hey, make really short stuff as the YouTube videos, just short, not heavily edited things. And then edit like the, the YouTube shorts stuff as like the main content on the channel. But it makes it really easy to, uh, to catch up by going through a bunch of 20 second videos. Yeah, and to so. be clear, folks, um he does mean YouTube shorts, but there are also horizontal videos in the video section, which are just as short. So just those of you who are <laughs> haters that don't like the, the vertical videos, he has horizontal there are both. too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so what is, what is the, what, what is the toilet chicken nuggets and what was that referring to? Okay. So this is where I said, I, I do more, I call myself more variety streamer instead of science streamer, because you know, all the other big science streamers are like PhDs and stuff. And, uh, I'm over here emptying out toilets and deep frying chicken in them. So here's, here's basically how this went. Uh, people kept making jokes. People kept making jokes about, ha ha. When, when you, when you go to the bathroom, it sounds like you're frying chicken in there. And I was like, ha ha. What if I actually did? So I had this old toilet that I'd removed from my house. It's not a new one. It's an old, it's an old used toilet from that's like 20 years old. And I've just had it sitting around because I didn't know how to throw it out. And uh, I was like, hey, what if I put a deep fryer element and filled it with oil and then fried chicken in there? Then it'd be the funny joke. And so I did it. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and it was the day, the day that I did that. Uh, it was during December, during the Twitch recap, and Twitch apparently was highlighting random channels on their front page for recap. So my channel got highlighted for Twitch recap just randomly, and a bunch of new people came in and were like, what is this guy doing? What, <laughs> what is this? It was like, <laughs> I'm sitting there frying chicken in a toilet, <laughs> and I taste tested it afterward. 
That, it just tastes like normal chicken. It was fine. Yeah, but your oil looks like engine oil, used engine oil. <laughs> it's because it had been used in the deep fryer before, like, because uh, I save it all. I save all my used fryer oil, and then I give it to a friend who has oil heating in his house, and he heats his house off of it. So I just had a bunch of really old fry oil. I'm like, ah, I'm not using new oil for this. It's going in a toilet. I'll just use this old <laughs> stuff. So it's like black. It was <laughs> so dark. It was such a so bad. Oh my god. That oil spilled everywhere too. That was the worst cleanup I think I've ever had on a stream. At uh, least you did it. It looks like you did it in a basement. It looks like like, like epoxied floors instead of like wooden yes. floors. Yes. Yes, that's where all of my stuff happens. So the 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 UO lab is in is just I took my entire basement uh, and uh, OK, hang on. This is going to kind of go into a uh, history of uh, the channel, because I mentioned that I started streaming in 2022. But when I started streaming, I wasn't doing engineering content. I was doing uh, I was editing and doing animations in Blender because I, I have used Blender for like 15 years and stuff. Great piece uh, and of software. Done, Oh, it's an excellent software. Uh, that was mostly what I was doing. And then I uh, like once or twice a week, I do like a cooking stream. I was streaming three days a week and I would do a cooking stream or some kind of variety stream, which was typically like an arts and crafts kind of thing. Like I think I did like where I was making plushies or making uh, like stickers with a vinyl cutter. I did 3D printing one time, but that didn't work very well because it takes way too long and you don't get to see the 3D print until after the stream's over. Um, stuff like that. And actually, at the time, uh, electronic streams for me, I did I did a couple, and they were debuff streams. They were like, I'd get like half my audience for an electronic stream. It was, it was, a, it was a filter for people. But I wanted to do them, and I thought eventually I would be able to make them entertaining. Because the people that liked them really liked them. The people in my audience that did uh, at the time. And this was back when I had uh, maybe like 15, 20 viewers, I want to say. Uh, but it wasn't until it wasn't until later that I built, I think it was, I think the very first thing, it was a chat controlled robot. And uh, I posted the clip on Twitter and it did pretty well. And my audience seemed to really like it. And it's hard to do chat controlled stuff when you only have 20 people, because if you have 20 viewers, maybe like two or three of them are active in the chat. So it was like one or two dudes controlling the robot. It was much less uh, chaotic than it is now. It was actually like doing things that you would expect a person to try to navigate it and things. Uh, but around that time, I was like, this is really cool, and I want to do more of this stuff, but I was crammed in this small bedroom upstairs, uh, and I'm like, well, I I own my house. I, I can set up wherever I want. I took, uh, I should clean out the basement and just set up down there, and then I have a whole big floor that I can do stuff on, and so uh, I went down to the basement. I like spent like a few weekends cleaning the entire basement out and restoring everything in the attic or whatever. Uh, and I set my, I built a big long desk down here and moved all my stuff down here and moved my PC set up here. And uh, then I was able to start, that was like when I started doing primarily science and engineering content because now I had all this space and I didn't have to worry about 
like oh i etched pcbs in that other room which has like carpet and like if you've ever done that you have that ferret chloride which is like it stains everything it touches you have to be like so careful to not get it anywhere and now it's like oh well now i can just be an absolute gremlin i don't have to do <laughs> uh get something gets on the floor ah so what it's concrete floors like i moving down there was also like right before i started getting bigger that was like the the premonition to it and i think it was because i started being able to do more of the wacky science stuff so it being in a basement is a huge part of this that's where everything but the cooking streams and that's because i have to use a stove everything takes place in this basement that i retrofitted for streaming yeah that is awesome what like what um what do you enjoy about doing your streams? Because it, it looks like you're typically having a blast, but why, why do you do it? Because um, we talked about in, a little bit in the pre-show and you mentioned it here uh, a little bit, but you have a full-time job already. So what do you, what do you like about streaming? <laughs> okay, so I've been a hobbyist, uh, an electronics hobbyist since I was seven or eight years old. I've been into electronics for years and years and years. I was really big in the hobby community in like the the mid to late 2000s and up until like the early 2010s I went off to college and wasn't able to do anything for a while so I, I've liked this as a hobby for a long time and over that time I, I've built a lot of like weird stuff and it's basically just been oh you show it to family and friends and like some of them will oh, be like oh that's kind of funny yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh that's funny or that's not very useful you couldn't sell that and it's like okay yeah that's not the point gramps like this is <laughs> we're, we're trying to make things for fun here and now I've always thought about doing content creation and haven't really had an in because I look at uh, I look at like YouTube and William Osmond and Michael Reeves stuff made here those kind of like YouTubers doing the kind of stuff that I wanted to do and it's like it's so perfect and I've tried to do I've tried to like record videos in the past to do it and it's like it never gets to a point of professionalism that made me happy with it like mine always look like a jankier version of what one of them would make and if I can't make that tier like i didn't want to like it was discouraging i guess it is also it takes a long time you do like weeks and weeks uh of work for this project if no one likes the video oh too bad you're out so much you're, you're out weeks of work and and trying to wrangle machines into making stuff for you uh and i had like a fab lab type setup i have i mean i have 3d printers i have a laser cutter a cnc mill that has a, a pretty big bed on it uh the stuff to like make that kind of stuff, but getting the the videos edited and whatever was never really, it, it was never something that really gelled well with me. Even though I'm good at video editing, just the, the, I guess, build process never really did. But with streaming, what I like about streaming is I can just bang it out and, oh, this one didn't work out so well. Well, we're doing another stream project in two days. So we'll see if that one does. Like everything's just fast paced. And uh, you have an audience there that's as excited for the project as you are. And like, as, as I've said, I've done these projects for years and years. I've done these since I was a little kid. So being able to do this stuff and have an audience that's as excited as I am for it is just really great. Um, I really love it. <laughs> the, the outside the stream stuff is kind of a pain to deal with, having to plan for them every week and having to like figure out... Uh, like do like the business side of streaming that that part kind of sucks but the stream itself always 
I'm always having a great time because this is always what I've always wanted this. I've always wanted to be able to make stuff for, for an audience that enjoys it. And here I get to do it many nights a week and, uh, just across a wide variety of stuff. I it's just a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I completely agree with you. Like the, the, the fact that for me, the fact that I'm not alone, right. That that's the coolest thing about, uh, streaming for me is that, you know, even though I don't have a large audience, like you probably, I mean, when I was watching you, you probably had somewhere around like 800 or 1300 or something like that. A lot of people watching. And I've got it's like, not that many. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, wasn't it a lot though? I thought it was like it's like a few hundred. Okay, it's like a few hundred. Maybe it just the scientific. Like the scientific uh, category is not that contested. I can tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the the fact that you had a bunch, I have like uh, six usually, right? Because I don't advertise it. It's on the second channel. It's also on mm. YouTube. And discoverability for live streams on YouTube is is that's really rough. No bueno, but. It doesn't matter because I have a couple of regulars who are like kind of always in my stream and it's yeah. so nice to even to get like to bounce things off of them. So like they watched me design uh, a PCB and then I had mm. it, I ordered it from my from my sponsor PCB way and then it mm. came in and we assembled one of the channels on it and we found an error. I found an error and then I mm. they watched me retool it in KiCad and then resend it out and then you know we just reassembled another one and I found another error and it's just like if I wasn't streaming I would have been so dejected I probably would have just tossed all the boards in the trash and wasted all my time but the fact that um, I sort of had uh, you know companionship while doing this and at the same time like they were so you know encouraging and they're like, you know, it's not really a mistake because you learn things and whatever, mm. whatever. And they're suggesting things I can try to to salvage it, like make a uh, make an add-in board that sits where the MOSFET did. Because basically, it was my first time working with the P-channel MOSFET, and I accidentally put a pull-down resistor. And then when I popped the pull-down resistor off, I then realized that what is happening is my microcontroller can only provide 3.3 volts and i would actually have to bring the gate up to 12 volts which which was sitting on the drain mm. and to turn it off anyways long story short i screwed it up but they're like you know whatever just you know make your make put a bodge wire like modify it and, you know and if it was just myself i would have probably went like well you know there's 16 <laughs> hours of wasted time <laughs> but it just feels better because people are you know sort of with me they're joining me in the journey so that that's my reason at least yeah no it is and that's i mean as i said when i was starting streaming i really liked doing it and i even liked doing the tech stuff that people didn't like and that was to like 15 to 25 people it's not a very active chat but the fact there's some people there that want to see it the fact that there's like there, that there's anyone there that's like they're giving ideas or they're they're chatting with you while you're going through the thing like it makes it, it makes it fun it's it's really fun to stream stuff <laughs> do you want to call out a couple of your uh of your really good uh supporters and, and say hello to them from the podcast or or you think they're not going to come come by and listen oh wait call, hang on hang on viewers viewers have helped me out yeah i can call out some uh i know watchmakering bapton 
Robo Man. Sometimes they give some some horrid ideas. I just want to say, not all of their ideas are good. Sometimes they tell me to do the complete wrong thing. I've been led astray many times. Yeah, but they're just but trolling. Sometimes you. they really help. <laughs> they're they're thinking of the content, right? They're 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 content yeah. brained. There's Obviously. a lot of other people that I'm not calling out because I'm not able to think of them right now in this moment. And those people were just the last people I talked to in Discord, so they're in my head. But there's, I mean, there's so many people that help me out. Yeah. So sorry for for those of you who aren't no, uh, who aren't. Um, sorry uh, for mentioned. those of you who lost the dice roll of me picking random names out of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you have to realize this is all on the spot, right? Off the top of the head, whatever's freshest. And makers have a lot of stuff in their head, so don't feel bad. That's all I have to say to those of you who aren't named. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Um, so, can you let us know a little bit of your background? Like, how did you get? from sort of like an eight-year-old who was uh, working with electronics uh, up to the maker you are now and the streamer you are now. What's what's your trajectory been like uh, sort of education and maybe work-wise? Okay, so as I said, I, I got into electronics at a very young age. I, I have, None of my family are engineers or anything. I got into it solely because I think I got like a book about it or something <laughs> like when I was really, really young. And I was like, this is really cool. I want to do this. And then I had got some of those electronic kits that were like popular at the time. They have like the little springs and you can put wires in them and connect the components together. Yeah. And, and made horrible connections half the time. Made Oh, absolutely. You you jiggle it. If it didn't work, you would jiggle it. And sometimes the springs would like make better contact and then it would start working again. Uh, I remember as a kid too, like I built things just assuming they wouldn't work when something actually just worked. It was, it was miraculous. It was, it was a rare occasion. I just liked building it. So I just kept doing it. Uh, I absolutely raided the local radio shack so much that they just gave me the store catalog so I could see everything they could order from them. Oh, um, really sweet. Oh man. Yeah. You, you were probably envied by a bunch of, uh, electronics hobbyist back then if if they knew about it <laughs> to have the cow they because they gave because i guess those are the ones they give them for inventory so they had gotten like a new one they're like here's our old one we it's mostly the same but like you're here all the time you'll you'll love this and uh i saw in there this was when i was like probably like 10 or something that they had or no, no yeah i saw that they had the bobot which was the parallax ink uh robot pre-arduino people may not remember this pre-arduino your only real option for hobby level microcontrollers were the basic stamp series uh from parallax those were like the main ones other than that you had to get like like uh eprom flashers and stuff it's like a whole ordeal it was very like corporate focused uh then arduino came along kind of wiped that and because it was like way cheaper these were like 50 bucks each or something. But I really wanted this Bobot kit. And I I got that. I asked for it for Christmas. And I actually got it. <laughs> and then that's how I started learning to program. And then I started, okay, well, let's go on to like forums talking about this. And then I'll learn stuff from the forums. And I, I started building this online presence, probably as an annoying kid, uh, if I had to guess, on these forums, racking up thousands of posts talking about <laughs> building stuff with this uh, and that was from like age i don't know 12 to like 17 when i went off to college 
Uh, of course, I wanted to do electrical engineering because this was like my hobby that I loved so much. Surely I'd like doing it as a job, which sounds sarcastic, but it was true. I, I actually do really like doing it as a job. And I, <laughs> engineering school was rough, but I, I got through that, got my degree, uh, got a job in research and development. So, you know, hell yeah, I get to actually build things. It's something that uh, a lot of a lot of people I was friends with were kind of struggling to get. So I worked really hard to get the the job for that. And then now I've worked there ever since doing doing engineering stuff. And I was like, uh, the hobby stuff kind of stopped when I went to college, right? Because when you're in college, especially engineering college, you don't have time to do anything. You, you are studying and eating and sleeping and that's it. And uh, so I kind of dropped it for a long time there just because I didn't have time. Then once I got my job again, I started picking it up again, but it was just kind of projects here and there. Um, I remember the last project I was working on before I started streaming was building this really high quality audio amplifier, uh, solid state, not a tube amp, uh, it was a solid state amp and doing like custom PCBs, of course. And, uh, it was designed to be like batch manufactured so that I could like sell it to people later was the idea. The idea was to get it, uh, try to pitch it to someone like mass drop to sell it. Uh, but I never really got... I started streaming. I started getting more into editing the streams and then eventually into streaming before I finished that project. So it never got like fully completed, even though I have working prototypes and stuff. You got lucky, I think, because uh, selling hardware is not a good way to live. I think that's no, uh, it is not rough. But I wanted to say that I'd done it. I, I knew I wasn't going to quit my job doing that, right? Makes sense. I yeah. just wanted to be able to say, I have done this. This is uh, like, I have this thing on the market. It's always been a dream of mine to sell, to make hard, to market hardware, I guess, to create a startup that where I could do that has been something that I've wanted to do, but it's not really realistic. And also uh, over the years now, I've worked with so many startups that I'm starting to go, eh, I don't know if I want to do that because a lot of those startups I'm working with, they're, they're not having a good time. <laughs> they are, they are struggling. Oh Yeah. <laughs> You also rough. you worked for a four-letter agency, which uh, I think I saw for the first time. It was in your Twitch bio. Is that is that possible? It's in my Twitch tags. It's kind of a joke. I did not. Uh, I worked for them as an intern. I interned for them while I was in college. Come on, that counts. Uh, that counts. Yeah, that's all I say. It's, yeah, I interned NASA, for NASA while I was go. in college. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna like like beat around the bush until uh, and not say what four yeah, letter yeah. agency it was. <laughs> yeah, so I have in my <laughs> someone told someone put that tag in. I used to have a thing where if you paid if you donated some amount of money, you could add a tag to the stream, and people would add silly tags occasionally. And someone added former NASA engineer as a tag, and I've just. I got rid of that redeem eventually, but I left that tag in because I thought it was funny. But now people always come in and ask me like, man, what is this why you got fired from NASA whenever I'm making some stupid thing? <laughs> so it's kind of a funny, it's a funny joke. And but I did actually them, intern for them. <laughs> and then you tell them, no, that's what got me hired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a prestigious um place like how was how was it interning there by the way because uh, like i can tell you definitely have a little bit of a uh a funky humor 
um, but you can also, you know, be very serious. Um, I mean, how was it uh, being within the walls of of NASA and this is okay, okay, okay. So, so the first like, first of all, the NASA engineer or the NASA intern is largely a thing they do as like a charity. It is it is hard to get. I had to get uh, specifically recommended. Like they basically uh, sent mail to my university and said, you can pick one student for this internship. And one of my professors was like this guy. And then I had to get it signed by a bunch of other professors that they also recommended me for this. And then I had to f do like a formal application because they can still reject you even if you get picked out by a professor. And they can be like, no, pick us someone else. Uh, I ended up getting it. And I was like, oh, man, what am I going to be doing? Am I going to be am I going to be working on the space rover? Uh, no, Probably you're done. Not, no. You do. <laughs> no, no. I, I apparently at first I thought I got shafted when I uh, did this originally because they had me make. They're like, you're working for our education and outreach. You need to make a curriculum for kids to teach them about robots. And I was like, all right. Sure. I found out later that if you work for the actual place, you're still not solving any actual problems. They're just having you do like worksheets. So interning for them, you really get a toss of the dice. Depending Interesting. On what you do. So I did not. Uh, I got to talk to some cool engineers who were actual rocket scientists. I did not work with them on anything. And what I did is probably what I could have, what I would have been assigned if I'd gotten hired by like the department of education <laughs> or like something far less prestigious than getting, uh, getting a NASA internship. They did pay well though. I'll give them, I'll give them that. Plus it looks really <laughs> good on resume and in your, oh, it looks fantastic. Your tags. <laughs> it looks great. I think it's done more work for me in Twitch tags than it did on the resume. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> the main thing is that I can put down my resume. They're still gonna ask, "What'd you do for NASA?" I'll be like, "Oh, I built robots." Oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Don't elaborate go. any further. Yeah, exactly. As long as there are no follow-ups, this is what I did at NASA, basically. Yeah, I had four weeks at the end of that internship where I had to actually go teach the class, and uh, I did have a lot of fun with that. As you said, I like getting, I like, uh, I don't know, being being humorous and kind of putting on a show. And uh, I don't know. The kids loved it. <laughs> that was that was the most fun part of that internship. <laughs> I love uh, messing with kids. So I typically teach at the college level, but um, I was mm. hired. I did a uh, ba basically. I, I I designed a, a course that can be given to uh, high school kids, and I went and I mm. and I did that in um, December. Yeah, this was high school kids for reference. Yeah, so high school kids are a lot of fun because you can mess with them. So, yeah, yeah. So I had this whole thread because I mean they're like barely paying attention. Some of them, some of them are there because it's just better than the other classes they could be taken. And um, like I have this little battery because I was teaching Ohm's law, but at a very very base level. But I have this little car battery that came out of a, a out of a, a Honda Fit. So it's a tiny battery. It's like a it's like a half size battery. And I had this whole thread on how I needed a battery before uh, before coming here today. So, you know, I looked around, like my, my battery was dead. So I just opened the hood of my wife's car and I stole her battery. And then 
some of the kids that weren't paying attention, they're like, wait, what if she has to go somewhere? I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry. Like, you know, uh, we're done here at three o'clock and she has an appointment at 3.05. So that should be plenty of time. You know, I just, and I pulled the thread because you can mess with them, right? Because they're like, huh? Like, really? <laughs> so they get all concerned. It was, it was awesome. I, I do like teaching high school kids, but only in small doses because, you know, I don't have that yeah. much patience. It's a... Uh... It was really fun, uh, but also not something I would want to do as my career. <laughs> it was no. fun for a for a month long stint as part of a three month internship. <laughs> you you don't have any pets, right? Because it seems a little dangerous to be an animal in your household. I don't have pets, and yeah, that's actually a big part. Uh, part <laughs> bef- is also that I travel a lot, and I would have to room them, or I'd have to board them a lot. Yeah, it's not uh, fair. But then, oh yeah, no, it would be irresponsible levels to have a pet in this um <laughs> they had access to this basement there's like chemicals all over the floor there's stuff stored everywhere it's it's not safe it is not pet proof so um the tech that you use to have uh the chat interact with your um with your stream so the the ESPA266 is that yeah. something that like one of my average viewers or, you know, the average podcast host that can copy paste uh, code. Is that something that someone like that can set up or does it take a little bit yes. of advanced knowledge? It took me one weekend to figure out how to get it to read IRC. Cause if you don't know, Twitch chat is all just IRC, uh, which makes it real easy to interface with. You don't have to enter, you don't have to use an API or anything, but if I give you my code, which I, I f- release for any of my viewers to use, yeah, you can just buy this thing, download the code. You just change the tags and what it does when uh, the command comes in. And uh, boom, there you go. Oh, that's interesting. So it is actually quite simple. Did someone build a library or did you write it from scratch? I didn't write it completely from scratch. Someone already had an IRC library and someone else who I I follow them on Twitch. I'm just waiting for them to stream again, but it's been three years, so I don't think it's going to happen. They made a bot with it. With the li- with the library, and so I I use their code as a base, and then I modified it for uh, parsing out commands the way that I want to, and seems to seems to work pretty well. I've been using that since last March. It's the oldest thing that I've developed that still gets used in streams. I think <laughs> there we go. And you and you theoretically you does you've developed it on stream or for stream or both. So the coding. Okay, first of all, coding. I try to avoid doing on stream if at all possible, with the exception of like, okay, I need to program this. I already have 99% of the code. Let's just add in like the different tag or whatever. Uh, That's fine. But I try to avoid coding on stream if at all possible because you have to think too much and so you can't interact with your chat and it's not interesting visually. So it's just not good for entertainment to code on stream. Uh, So I try to avoid doing it. So I did all the coding outside and then the hardware on stream. And that's typically how I do all my projects. Awesome. And did you find that your chat tends to lean towards whatever is the funniest thing or whatever is the most productive thing? Oh, it's definitely the funniest. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. As I said, I don't even share. I, I'm outside the circle of tech YouTubers and tech streamers. I've gotten to know some of the other science and tech streamers, but they're not. Uh, only one of them is an electronic streamer. I mostly stay outside of those because. Uh, in YouTube, they do the silly stuff like what I'm doing, but on Twitch, it's mostly people who are like very well credentialed doing very serious and like 
fun, but like absolutely serious science discussion and stuff. It's not really the same audience. Whereas I have an audience of people who maybe don't know this stuff at all that I'm making it for. Like I definitely have some that are engineers or some that are hobbyists, uh, but it's a lot of people who don't know anything about that. And they just are here to see what happens and see what I'm going to create. So I try to make it as digestible as possible for them. Um, I think which, mission accomplished, really. I think, yeah, I think I've done pretty well with that, given the demographic of my audience being mostly people who aren't super into that as like on a, like a technical level. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love how you can reach kind of across multiple aisles to get to a really good, uh, a really good amount of people, basically a broad enough audience. Mm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to reach out uh, even more with. Where I'm gonna start posting, especially now that I've I've because I've recently changed the name of my channel to be a little more relevant, and uh, especially now that I've done that, I'm starting to make more like socials to post my clips and stuff on to try to kind of probe probe for other people <laughs> that may be interested in seeing the the shenanigans live. Yeah, and it's an I interesting thing. I recommend everyone listening to this to at least go and check out your stuff. If you're not live on Twitch, then the Twitch VODs are available. So you just go into the videos tab mm. or or just go into the, you know, his YouTube channel. Um, everything will be linked in the description. So you guys, I encourage you to go check it out. It may not be for you, but uh, I mean, there's so much a breadth of stuff that I'm sure something will be for you. <laughs> Definitely. The uh, the Twitter is probably the best repository of like the best ofs, I guess, because that one's more selective about what it is. But for like a more general idea of what goes on, the YouTube is like the best because it has the most clips linked in the description then. So I do have a question for you that I ask all of my podcast guests. Uh, can I hit you with it? Sure. So imagine you get a grant, so funding to start the business of your dreams. Now, it doesn't have to be profitable because you get the funding, but it definitely has to provide either a product or a service. What kind of business would you start? Hey, wait, it has to provide a product or service that is not just being entertaining. No, no, entertainment's a product or a service for sure. Okay, so I could, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would just use this to absolutely amp my streams up massively. I'd buy an old, like... <laughs> I've looked at this as like a uh this is like a oh man if I had if I had a massive amount of money the ultimate play here would be buy like an abandoned factory or a warehouse or something and just maybe not a warehouse that's like too clean cut for the the vibe I typically go for and just make insane stuff like giant tesla coils or like cars that are remote controlled but are like giant like full sized, like, I'd be doing that kind of stuff. If I had, if I had the money, if I had massive amounts of money to play around with, I would just amp up the uh, the scale of ridiculous projects that I want to do. There's a lot of stuff that I would like to do if I was able to have the space and the the cash to do it. So what you need to buy is a Zeppelin hanger. <laughs> Zeppelin hanger. That we don't need that kind of ceiling space. We need a. Uh, I need something. I need like an old building. I want to maybe an old abandoned apartment building or something. That's your uh, that's your real your real pool. <laughs> but can you imagine the projectiles? Because you you shoot. That's I'm, true. I mean, to be honest, I've seen you. You I think you shot hot dogs, definitely beer cans, a brick. Imagine how much 
shooting you can do <laughs> in a Zeppelin hangar. <laughs> oh, there'd be so much. There's so much room for activities. One hundred percent. You get one that's like semi-translucent, so you don't you don't need studio lighting, so you can just go off and and do whatever. <laughs> Everyone who sees it is going to be like, what is that? What are they doing in there? And they see like flames through the translucent outside. As an automotive guy, I would love to see something like a go-kart powered by exploding airbags. So you just get like 20 airbags. And <laughs> if you fire them off sequentially, maybe you'll get some speed, you know? I've used a, uh, I've used an airbag on stream once for a, for a bit. I microwaved it and it blew it to pieces. It blew what the airbag or the microwave? The microwave. Yeah. Okay. I was. Assuming. It blasted the door of the the <laughs> microwave so hard that I had it locked in a closet so that it wouldn't uh, so that it wouldn't like knock it into a shelf or something because I went to a, a different floor. I went to the first floor instead of the basement just for safety, and it hit the door of the closet so hard it broke it open and launched the, the microwave door out. It was awesome. Do you know if it was a driver's side or a passenger side airbag? Oh, that was driver's side. Okay, okay, good. Because the passenger ones tend to be a lot bigger and a lot more powerful because they typically... Oh? They're supposed to bounce off the uh, windshield to, to go towards your face. That's, I don't know if you if, if there's safety inspections where, where you live, but typically you don't pass one with a cracked windshield because the windshield needs to be structural for the passenger airbag. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, passenger airbags are terrifying. So use with with caution. I'll they, be sure to get one of those for the next time I blow up a microwave. They're it's good to a, know. Yeah, they're about twice the size uh, of a uh, of oh. a driver one. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I did not realize this. Yeah, and and obviously they're a lot less uh, common because if people or they're a lot more common. Sorry to find in in recite uh, from auto recyclers. Because if you put your backpack or whatever on the passenger seat, the occupant position detection sensor won't let the passenger airbag go off. So they typically survive crashes more than the driver ones. So the driver ones are oh. more demand. Yeah. Interesting. So I don't know if I just uh, <laughs> signed your death certificate here, but be careful, please. <laughs> you just told me, hey, did you know how that was like one of the most violent things you've ever recorded on stream? <laughs> did you know there's one that's twice as strong yeah. and can actually mess you up even more? <laughs> yeah. So when I use, I worked for a dealership. So when we replaced them, we had to ship them back to the manufacturer. But you can't ship an active airbag uh, without paying a whole bunch of extra amount so they would ask us to to set them off and then wait until it off gassed and then you put that in the box and shipped it back and so oh really yeah so one one time my shop foreman decided to put it in a cardboard box and put it <laughs> on the shop floor and this was so the shop is uh probably about f the, the the ceiling's about uh 30 feet up so like three stories up sure yeah and uh we set it off our favorite way to set it off uh, is you put it in the, into the, the ends of an extension cord. So you, you short, there's usually two igniters. I don't know if yours mm. had, uh, had two or, or just Ours one. I just had one. Probably a little bit of older airbag. Uh, but usually there's a pre-igniter and an igniter. And, and so you just twist them together. And then you put one pair in one end of the extension cord and one pair into the other like other prong <laughs> and then you you know you roll out the extension cord and you just plug it into the wall and they set off so anyways it set off this airbag um so it was so loud that it rattled the windows in the sales department and it hit the ceiling <laughs> it hit the rafters 
and the cardboard where where it had uh, where it had launched the cardboard was like paper thin and we picked it up and it like it, it was like pulverized it, it it was almost like dust <laughs> that's awesome yeah they are powerful so you know beware i use with caution for sure uh <laughs> as i said i went on to a whole different store story of my house just to avoid any potential uh, injury that I could get from it. Yeah, maybe I would but, uh, set, set this one up outside. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are... My, my postage stamp size lawn is really limiting what I can do for stuff like this. Oh, oh, and also be careful because it does it does create, uh, there's a chemical reaction that creates a little bit of uh, caustic uh, byproducts when you blow off a uh, oh, an sick. airbag. So yeah, handle, usually you're supposed to handle with gloves. But I mean... It's not that bad because if you think about it, it is going to hit your skin no matter what in in, in a crash. But, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not horrible, but you want to avoid it. Pretty All much. Right. Get the chemistry gloves out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, this we've already been chatting for over an hour, by the way. This has gone so fast. Yeah, I know, right? So is there any uh, like sort of closing thoughts that you'd like to leave with uh, w- with my audience? Maybe uh, maybe you want to entice them with uh, maybe uh, your stream schedule or something you want them to check out? Uh, I don't really have any like upcoming big events. Every stream's an event, baby. Uh, but I will say my stream schedule is typically that I stream Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. EST. Uh, those alternate between big project builds and more chill builds, but uh, I typically go for two to three of like the the like cool quote unquote cool projects a week to uh, to keep things interesting. You can check me out on twitch.tv slash uoslab. That's U W O S L A B. And obviously, the links are going to all be in the description or in the show notes, depending on what platform you're listening to. But I do. Oh, yeah, I didn't have to spell it. <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, it's it's natural, anyways, because um, they say you can hide the body in you can hide a body in the description of a video because nobody ever clicks it. So <laughs> it's probably best right. you spelled it out. <laughs> Anyone who's listened gets an idea of the type of shenanigans that go on there. If you like, if you don't take uh, if you don't think take things too seriously, you like a little bit of silly silly builds this is the place for you <laughs> definitely it's not one of those uh, streams that that work in the background it's really it'll draw you in so you probably won't get any work done so just just a fair warning <laughs> some of them are more chill but yeah a lot are uh <laughs> there's something there's something crazy going on for at least sure. that's my that's my intent <laughs> And so, yeah, I guess I want to thank you very much for taking your time to have a chat with me today. And um, I really hope that that uh, you keep going in the direction you're going. I'm absolutely loving what I'm seeing, and I can't wait to dive into it some more. So, yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been a fun time. I really appreciate it. And for those listeners, uh, please go at least check out the clips either on the Twitter, on the YouTube channel, or the VODs. Um, And I'm sure you guys will like it. And uh, I hope to catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone.